Hello, and welcome to Earth Riot Radio. I'm Reverend Billy at the Church of Stuff Shopping here in New York City. Once a week on Sundays, we hold forth at the Earth Church in downtown Manhattan in the East Village. I welcome you to join us. I'll give you the rest of that information a little bit later in the show. But right now, we want to talk about today's message. We're looking at identity. Many of us are discovering who we are right now, finding ourselves, and we're walking out into the sunlight, and we're saying, here I am. I'm proud to be here. I have equal rights as a citizen. Here I am. I am my race, my gender, my history, my community, my, my health, my education. Many things go into identity, don't they? Today, we want to point out that there's something that we're missing in our identity creating. And that is we're forgetting that we are of the earth, of, for, and by the earth. We're earth beings. And we share life with these other living beings and with the soil and the water and the air, which is all, all full of life. Some of the life we can't see at all. It's invisible to us. A lot of it is just mysterious. And some of the living beings that we do know about, we're killing. We're creating extinction every day. We see that's why Earth needs to be a part of our identity because it makes it possible for us to be stronger in our defense of the idea of surviving here. If we admit, oh yes, we're a part of this physical environment, we share life with other life, if that's a part of our identity, our activism is so much stronger. That's what we find in the Church of Stop Shopping. I want you to explore this with us over the next half hour. Amen. Here we go. Here we go. Somebody give me an earth hallelujah. Extinction demands revolution. Yes, it does. 
long grass prairie, swimming across the coral reef, climbing the mountain, flowing down the river to the valley. sacred grandmother, the Mother Earth. That's what it's all about. Once we understand and know and feel that she is alive. You know, Western science has ascertained that. In the early 80s, they sank a, a shaft in Greenland, of all places, a mile or so down into the Earth and brought up data for months and months. And with that data, they ascertained that the Earth is a living organism in space. So now you've got your proof. You've got your proof. So please, start putting it in your heart. Got it up here. Now put it here. And she's alive. And she hurts. And she feels like you and I. back again. Now, uh, we have just had an experience together of a succession of kinds of music. We've had the hooting of the barred owl. We've had Neil Young. We've had the Ojibwe drummers. And we had the Stop Shopping Choir. Now, it's our experience in the Church of Stop Shopping as we have been exploring for more than 20 years now with, with many singers and musicians, we believe that the earth flows through music. And the earth, as a, an observation of its natural state, 
The earth is always singing. Every part of the earth, even the desert, is um, making sounds that are unique, songs that are unique identities, you might say, to those rocks, to that wind, to those birds, to those animals, to those lizards, to those bacteria. It's all singing all the time. And we feel in being among people that have created their personal identity without including the earth, music is the way. Music is the doorway to, and you don't know why. You know, you abandon the naming and the numbering. You don't exactly know. It's like being in the wilds, a good musical experience. Am I right? Amen. Well, now, I just had that demonstrated to me. I listened to, in succession, two versions of my favorite things. And you know, the famous uh, Sound of Music version with Julie Andrews singing the, the nanny with the very privileged children, <laughs> and the admiral, her boss, um, who is falling in love with her throughout, throughout the movie. Um, she sings, if you have the blues, this is what you do about it. And it, it, it sounds like a Broadway number. It sounds, it's classic. It's a great tune. And very effectively sung by Julie Andrews. Well, now, another version that I heard is John Coltrane. And, and John Coltrane and McCoy Tyner and his, his ensemble. Who's on drums? Is that Elvin Jones or Max Roach? They, they... <laughs> Their version of My Favorite Things is very subversive, and it became an event in the revolution, the civil rights, social movement, the uh, peace movement trying to, to end American aggression abroad, especially in Vietnam, the women's movement. This was an anthem that helped lots of people be bold, and impactful activists. Well, now, the favorite things of John Coltrane comes out of the tradition of Charlie Parker, of um, his, you can hear the melody back in there, but you, you, are, you are listening to the melody from the perspective of this glittering spatial spiral that John Coltrane weaves around and at different distances from the main anthem of the Sound of Music movie. And as a result, you feel like you are in the natural world. You are looking back at humanity. You're not buying into the brain worm, the ditty you can't not hum of, of that melody. You're, you're out in an inventing space. In fact, you know, if even listening to a record, but certainly live. Uh, and what, what you're about to hear is a live recording. I think it took place in Denmark at a John Coltrane concert. Every musical phrase, every few seconds, you just don't know what he'll do next. And that, that constant inv invention is much more like nature. That's what nature is. Crisp apple strudels, doorbells and sleigh bells, and schnitzel with noodles, wild geese that fly with the moon on their wings. These are a few of my favorite things. Oh, together, girls in white 
dresses with blue satin sashes, snowflakes that stay on my nose and eyelashes, silver white winters oh, that melt into spring. These are a few of my favorite things. When the dog barks. Brazil, wildfire scorched a fifth of the Pantanal's Encontro das Aguas State Park, home to the highest concentration of jaguars in Brazil. After a month of roaring fires, a downpour of rain put out the worst of the flames, but experts are warning of further fire risks from underground embers and hot days ahead. The fire spell disaster for the Pantanal's ecosystems, which are struggling to recover from an onslaught of unpredictable and increasingly frequent fires that experts associate with climate change. In 2022, the world lost 6.6 million hectares of forest, an area larger than Sri Lanka, and deforestation rates increased by 4%. Much of the forest loss last year occurred in the tropics, and nearly two-thirds of it was in relatively undisturbed primary forests. While forest degradation more than deforestation remains a serious problem in temperate and boreal forests. Despite being far off the pace to achieve an end to deforestation by 2030, a goal that 145 countries pledged to pursue in 2021, more than 50 countries have cut their deforestation rates and are on track to end deforestation within their borders by the end of the century. On September 30th, the Indonesian government announced the birth of a female Sumatran rhino at the Sumatran Rhino Sanctuary. The new birth brings the captive population of the species to 10. Estimates put the wild population at 34 to 47 individuals, making Sumatran rhinos one of the world's most endangered species. Each new calf born in captivity signals hope that the species will persist for another generation, but serious problems remain. 
All of the captive males are closely related. Plans to capture more rhinos have stalled, and the existing wild populations are slowly disappearing. The new designation of a UNESCO World Heritage Site in Ethiopia will also come with the relocation of the more than 20,000 people living inside Bale Mountains National Park. The park is a critically important area for a number of threatened endemic species, the endangered Ethiopian wolf and the critically endangered mountain Nyala, a large antelope. There are 1,600 flowering plant species in the park, 163 of which are native to the area. The park had few permanent settlements before it was established in the 1970s, and only seasonal pastoralists came to graze the grasslands. However, the population and settlements increased rapidly along with a shift from traditional livestock husbandry that grazed through the area to mixed farming that also plowed the land. Today, the park has more than 3,000 households, each with about eight residents and seasonal resource users. Park officials say that as new people move to the region and families grow, farmland and cattle grazing areas are expanding and encroaching on the park's woodlands. This has increased the stress on water and other natural resources and reduced forest cover and habitat for wild species. They've also noticed a loss of wildlife corridors and an increase in invasive species. Community members have mixed feelings about the planned relocation, with longtime residents mostly opposing it due to attachment to the land and fear over their livelihoods, and others open to receiving fair compensation in exchange. Research suggests that rats have an imagination. Animals can think about places and objects that aren't right in front of them using their thoughts to imagine walking to a location or moving a remote object to a specific spot. Like humans, when rodents experience places and events, specific neural activity patterns are activated in the hippocampus, an area of the brain responsible for spatial memory. A new study finds rats can voluntarily generate these same activity patterns and do so to recall remote locations distant from their current position. The rat can indeed activate the representation of places in the environment without going there, says Chong-Chi Lai, first author of a paper describing the new findings. Even if his physical body is fixed, his spatial thoughts can go to a very faraway place. This ability to imagine locations away from one's current position is fundamental to remembering past events and imagining possible future scenarios. Therefore, the new work shows that animals, like humans, possess a form of imagination. For the first time, one of the oldest military strategies has been observed in our closest evolutionary relatives. Chimpanzees use high ground to conduct reconnaissance on rival groups, often before making forays into enemy territory at times when there is reduced risk of confrontation. Researchers conducted a three-year study of two neighboring chimpanzee groups in the West African forests of Côte d'Ivoire, tracking the primates as they traversed their respective territories, including an overlapping border area where skirmishes occasionally took place. The team found that chimpanzees were more than twice as likely to climb hills when heading towards this contested frontier as when they were traveling into the heart of their own territory. While atop border hills, chimpanzees were more likely to refrain from noisily eating or foraging and spend time quietly resting 
enabling them to hear distant sounds of rival groups. Researchers say this is the first evidence for an animal other than humans making strategic use of elevation to assess the risks of intergroup conflict. In the 1980s, geophysicists made a startling discovery. Two continent-sized blobs of unusual material were found deep near the center of the Earth, one beneath the African continent and one beneath the Pacific Ocean. Each blob is twice the size of the moon and likely composed of different proportions of elements than the mantle surrounding it. Where did these strange blobs, formerly known as large low-velocity provinces, or LLVPs, come from? A new study by Caltech researchers suggests they are remnants of an ancient planet that violently collided with Earth billions of years ago in the same giant impact that created our moon. And now, the sounds of extinction. Approximately 500 birds, 100 mammals, and 120 herpetofaunistic species, in addition to 400 fish, are known to inhabit Palestine, the so-called Palestinian territories, which include the Gaza Strip, and the West Bank. Some 500 million birds are estimated to migrate through the region twice each year. The national animal of this region is the gazelle. There are several endangered species within the Gaza Strip and the West Bank of the Palestinian territories, including the Arabian gazelle, Buxton's jurd, and the Anduin's gull. Diseases passed from human contact and the lack of food security is the most common threats to these animals. The Wadi Gaza, or Gaza Valley, is located in central Gaza. Known for the distinctive feature of twists and turns, Wadi Gaza has eight major curves in its path across the Gaza Strip. Six smaller rivers feed into the main valley. The wetland is naturally sustained by rain-fed springs that start more than 62 miles to the east in the hills near Hebron in the West Bank. Within Gaza, it twists and turns before spilling into the Mediterranean Sea. The Wadi Gaza has been mightily impacted by intense pressures from population density in the Gaza Strip. Sewage and trash have decimated the landscape, and waters are sequestered by settlers on the Israeli side of the border wall. Over the past few years, tremendous effort has been made to clean the waterways and resuscitate the habitat for the many species that live there. Some of the species found in Gaza are the admiral butterfly, the barn swallow, the biscuit beetle, the camel cricket, the canaan dog, the carpet viper, cinereous vultures, the coddling moth, the common raven, the crane, dog ticks, dormouse, dragonflies, dung beetles, Eurasian eagle owls, false widow spiders, fire-bellied toads, fireflies, fleas, geckos, gerbils, glass lizards, glowworms, golden oriole, green bee eater, gypsy moth, hedgehog, linnet, long-eared owl, masked palm civet, nematodes, nightingales, orb weavers, parrot, pheasant, pigeon, pika, pond skater, rabbit, rat, redstart, rhinoceros, sable ferret, salamander, saluki, scorpion, seahorse, sheep, short-eared owl, skink lizard, slow worm, smoky brown cockroach, spider wasp, squirrel, stick insect, stoat, stork, striped hyena, tarantula hawk, tiger, tiger beetle, viper, 
water buffalo, water dragon, white tiger, wild boar, wolf, woodpecker, worm, zebu. One night, I woke up, got out of bed, put on my shoes, my pulled on some pants, and grabbed a shirt. Just glanced back at Sabi and Lena and ran out the door. And I ran to the wildest part of the wildest forest that we have within running distance. Some people wouldn't call it wild. It's in the middle of 25 million people. But there was a big moon, so I could see my way through the, uh, the... I could follow the path through the forest in Prospect Park. And the barred owl was hooting. And the insects just layer upon layer of rhythms, symphony of rhythms. And then the thing about being in a forest at night, you know that there are possums, there are nocturnal beings. And it's ne not necessarily in their best interest to show themselves. But the owls and the insects were the, well, the wind and the leaves, and there was just lots of singing, different kinds. And rustling back in the woods, you could hear life forms. <laughs> could only guess what they were, moving the twigs and the leaves on the forest floor. And I stayed out there a long, a long time until the sky got pale. By that time, I could feel the trees talking to me and I was listening. <laughs> I could hear language in the music. And I was whispering back, hoping that 
My language was accepted in return. Maybe there was a time when my ancestors understood this language. I walk back into the city, back to my home. But I picked up my diary before I went to sleep. And I asked myself the question in my diary, what will this do? The next time you're in the lobby with the, with the singers, the lobby of J.P. Morgan Chase. <laughs>